Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, April 3rd. We had an opportunity to watch Notre Dame's sixth practice of the spring on Saturday. When I say we, I mean from Irish Illustrated and 24-7 Sports, myself and Tom Loy. Tom Loy joins us this morning. Tom, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. We, uh, we The way we split up duties on Saturday was that I had the, the, uh, the big picture stuff of the entire team, offense, defense, special teams, and we had Tom focus on the early entry freshman, and we're going to want him to comment here in segment one specifically about the recruits that were in attendance. But Tom, why don't we, let's go ahead and, um, I mean, some of our uh, followers have seen and heard what I thought in the uh, instant analysis after practice, but let's start with you, Tom, about, um, you know, the the early entry freshman and what you saw. And I know you were impressed with Christian Gray and me very much as well. That is not a kid that looks like it's a senior in high school running around the Notre Dame practice field. Yeah, man, he's he's a special individual, young for his class. Um, he's a difference maker, and he's been that way since high school. And he, honestly, ever since I you know first saw him, he just continues to get better and better. Whether it was a you know a seven on seven down in Atlanta or senior film, you know he just. He, he looks terrific every time I see him and uh, it's fun to watch him, especially in a Notre Dame uniform and just watch him how smooth and seamless everything is, is moving for him. And, and um, honestly, like I see him as a difference maker at corner. I still, and I've, and I've expressed this post signing day to Mike Mickens that I said, you better keep an eye on your guy because, you know, I see a guy who could be a difference maker at safety too, because he just, especially when you watch him in like a seven on seven, he just, the way he tracks the football, the way his vision, his instincts, um, and obviously all of that's going to make him a really good corner. But this kid is just different, and uh, it was a massive pickup to, to get him um, at Notre Dame in general, and it's even bigger to have him on campus early, and it's it's paying off. So he definitely uh, stood out for me. He was he was hanging with all the receivers, making it look really easy. It wasn't a flawless performance. I'm not, I'm not calling this kid a lock to be a freshman All-American, anything like that. It's just He's different. He moves different. And um, it's very exciting. Um, kind of moving along those similar lines. I couldn't have been more impressed with Rico Flores. Um, that was that was a guy that um, I'm not saying I didn't expect it because I did call him the most polished and and uh, maybe game ready. Him and Jaden Greathouse are, are very similar in that sense. So um, but I think Rico's done a better job of making more plays in practice and and more highlights and, and, and talking to sources like this is the guy right right now. He's the guy that's that's trending upward the quickest for Notre Dame at the receiver spot. And then after that, you're, you're you know, very closely is Jaden Greathouse, who I was told over the weekend has just gotten better and better at every practice. So that's a good sign. I think Braylon James has a little longer of, of a track to getting to the field, but the upside is obviously in, it's through the roof. It's crazy how good this kid can be. It's just he's not as polished and they played different high school schedules and things like that. So um, the fact that Flores and Greathouse are a little bit more, you know, game one ready, it just makes complete sense. But man, 
the upside. You see Braylon just constantly making plays, whether Notre Dame is producing the video or we see him at practice. I mean, um, it's not always flawless. There are some drops, and he'd be the first to tell you, but, man, it, it's exciting to watch him play. A um, couple linebackers stood out to me too. Drake Bowen, who definitely looks the most, you know, freshman ready to contribute. Really good sideline to sideline speed. He doesn't look out of place at all. I know some people for some reason questioned his speed coming out of high school, but um, he looks the part. He looks ready. And I thought Preston Zinner did a good job of making plays um, when called upon, uh, whether it was a run fit or sniffing out, um, you know, the screen game, things like that. I, I thought he, uh, did a really good job. And I think he even had a tackle for loss, I guess, in the 11 on 11 late in practice. So um, all in all, some guys definitely stood out, but for me, it was Christian Gray and Rico Flores that really set the bar. Yeah. I think Christian Gray, it's interesting. You talk about him as a safety, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Barnes had a great practice on Saturday. Right. Yes. Had a sideline PBU. He had the, the end of practice interception in the end zone. And he also punched out the ball uh, from J- Jaden Greathouse for a, a fumbled cause caused. And, you know, I mean, maybe you have the option with him moving him to safety. Now I know they dabbled with that a little bit last year and he's playing corner this spring, or at least from what we've seen, it's been all corner. So maybe, you know, maybe that transition to safety is a little bit more difficult, but uh, Barnes had a good day. He's kind of been on the, on the, on the cusp of, of being on the roster here. And so I thought Saturday was a good, showing for him but I I do love Christian Gray the you know when you watch freshmen especially early entry freshmen in the spring what one of the things I look for is just their pace of play are they tentative or are they going for it and Christian Gray is going for it he's confident is in his abilities and he flies around to the football totally agree with you I mean I, I I think you would you would have to have uh an agenda against Rico Flores not, you know, I mean, not to come away thinking, man, this dude look because physically the lower body strength is, is absurd. And I, you know, I love the way he carries himself. I saw a really neat thing, uh, Tom on Saturday when he clearly was confused about a play or an alignment or a, a motion or whatever. And you immediately see him talking up Chancey Stuckey, which means Coach, I don't know what I'm doing. What do I do here? Help me out, which is which is a great thing. Now, late in the practice, when it was third team on third team, they had to call a timeout. I think it was because Flores wasn't quite sure what to do. So that's natural. But I like the fact that he's willing to talk up Chancey Stuckey and get the information he needs in order to be successful, in order to know what he needs to do. Um, I have he's not seen a quiet kid. He's definitely not a quiet kid. Like he'll, he'll be very active when it comes to right. that kind of stuff, which is cool. So yeah, well, I like that. You, you want that, you want that assertiveness. Yeah. Uh, and so he clearly has stood out. I didn't think it was a, I didn't think great house really stood out until late in the practice. But now again, you're looking at one thing. I may be looking at that same thing at that time, but I may be looking somewhere else. And so you can't track, absolutely everything but i thought flores you know easily stands out clearly braylon james has made a lot of plays uh and we've seen video evidence of that jaden greathouse is there and 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 making plays uh as well along the way as far as the linebackers i really like zinter's length um i you know i i like the way he moves i i 
I, he really, I like his frame very, very much. And I think they can do something with him. Osbury seems to me to be very dialed in. I didn't see what you saw with Bowen, but again, looking here, looking there, I didn't see the sideline to sideline stuff, but that's encouraging as well. So, you know, those are some of the freshmen. I, I, I do want to, I want to talk about, well, first of all, and everybody knows this because they saw how good Audric Estime looked physically, but now that was a that was a kid in a fullback's body playing, you know, halfback or or tailback or the various names that we can have for the single back. But he is <laughs> he looks absolutely fantastic. The other guy that I thought physically that looked fantastic was Blake Fisher. I mean, a guy that at one point weighed three thirty five, and now to me he looks like a you know he's still three ten. Uh, but he looks to me like a little bit bigger version of Khalid Kareem. He looks like he could be a str- he looks like he could be a, de- a defensive tackle or a strong side, and he's in really really great shape, and that's only going to help him. He's done a great job because that three thirty that thirty three thirty five is I'm I'm have been more than oh yeah <laughs> I I am very confident that there was a three six zero next to his name at one point. Um, since his arrival at Notre Dame, that dude has worked so hard to put himself in the shape that he's in that where I was actually joking with Matt Freeman, like he almost looks too lean. And then you see him in per- like in photos that were produced. And I'm like, what am I missing? And then all of a sudden you see him in person. It's like, okay, now I get it. And he just looks like a really good offensive lineman. Wow, but that was, I, I mean, I give the kid yeah, a lot man. of credit. I mean, that was the next, that was definitely the next step in his evolution, his development. And so yeah. That was key. Now, um, Chris Tyree does not look comfortable as a as a pass catcher. Uh, he does not look comfortable running routes. I did not see him showing the ability to gain separation, uh, to run tight routes. That wasn't a, that was not a good day for Chris Tyree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it was tough to it was tough to watch because you have these expectations and you want it, you think it's going to be a smooth transition and it's it's just not. I mean, he is a running back. It's just they're loaded at running back right now and it's it's just going to be a challenge. Um, Notre Dame knows it. I'm sure Chris knows it. Uh, he's a competitive kid and 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 I'm sure he knows that it's going to be a long road. But um, best part about it though is he can return kicks and and uh he can make an impact in one way or another oh, true and and marty biagi even talked about returning punts so that may be something that they throw on his plate as well lorenzo styles looks a lot better he made a there was a there was a hot throw that was high and already by him and he snagged it with complete confidence it's good to see him playing with a free mind tobias merriweather had a bad drop um at one point, but we know that he's played well. What'd you want to add, Tom? I was just going to say about Lorenzo, like I couldn't agree more. I thought it was a really, really good practice. And it showed that he was taking things up a notch and catching the balls easily. And yet the one person after practice who was working, I mean, we saw him down there when you were talking to Marty um, and interviewing him, like it was Lorenzo Styles. He was the one work, working with one of the, you know, student assistants, catching balls, a ton of balls after practice. And so like, love to see it because he had a great practice. He could have easily just chalked it up and went inside, but instead he was catching even more balls. So love what he's putting in, you know, yeah. love the time that he's putting in. Uh, physically, I like the way Jaden Thomas looks. He came up a little bit lame, left leg. Uh, I don't think it was serious because they ran it back out there. When they went live late, he wasn't part of it, but I don't think it was 
serious. Um, you know, Colsey and Merriweather had so-so days. I thought I, as a whole, the receiving core did not, they did not catch the ball. Well, now, a lot of that had to do with the quarterbacks were being pressured. And so they had to get rid of the football. And so some of those throws were difficult to catch, but most of the difficult to catch passes live were not caught. So I didn't think it was a really good day for the pass catchers. I really haven't seen much out of Caleb Smith yet, Tom. I don't know. Nothing that really impressed me. It was just yeah. kind of going through the motions. I know he had a drop in red zone. Um, I just, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm just expect, I expected a little bit more at uh, this point, but um, nothing that's really, Oh, it's definitely, he's not going to contribute this year or anything like that. No, I def- definitely didn't think that, but it was just nothing. Again, like you said, the offense didn't, it wasn't a great yeah. day. Yeah. Now the defensive line, and I want to, one last thing on Caleb Smith, he is kind of part wide out, part tight end. So he's not going to have the burst of a Deion Colsey or a Tobias Merriweather. Right. He's in the, you know, 230 range. So he's kind of a combo receiver tight end defensive line. I, the the two guys that stuck out to me were Cross and Rubio. I thought they got the best. They clearly got the best of Notre Dame's uh, interior offensive line. That clearly, Howard Cross, I saw him make a play, and I'm sitting there working on my freshman report while practice was wrapping up, and all I could hear probably within a five-minute span was Howard Cross like three different times. So Clearly, other people noticed it as well. So I'm I'm glad he was the first guy you mentioned because he's he's clearly making a ton of plays, and uh, it's good to see. Yeah, and he I think it was Al Golden that mentioned that he's been a lot more uh, vocal, which is you know isn't necessarily in Howard Cross's wheelhouse, <laughs> right? So um, so that's good. Linebackers, what what was the deal with Jalen Snead? I guess I kind of overlooked him a little bit on Saturday. I walked him walk in, walk in and he didn't have a uniform on. He wasn't ready, you know, practice ready. And so I just, and we didn't get any, obviously we didn't get any time with coaches that could get some clarity on that. But um, yeah, I just knew he was out for the day and it, it didn't yeah. seem like he was all that banged up. Maybe it was just a day and needed a day. Yeah. It didn't seem like anything serious. So. Now linebackers, I mean, Prince Kali is, is, is always impressive athletically. Um uh, you know, I mean, most people don't have a lot high regard for the Bertrands and the Kaisers of the world, but I think that they, uh, you know, I think they're veteran football players. Leofau, you know, I mean, Leofau needs to make more plays, but he's not, he's not lacking anything that I can see athletically. I think Nolan Ziegler, you know, I don't know how he gets on the field with any kind of regularity, a linebacker this year, but I, I get the sense that they're high on him. They put him in a lot of situations with, you know, with the top units. Uh, have you heard any feedback on him? Because I think that, I think he has a good, a very good feel for the game. Yeah. And I, that's, that's basically what I've heard. It's just, he's, he's a guy that they can count on. And, and again, that's the same stuff that they were saying about JD Bertrand and Jack Kaiser. They're not going to maybe blow you away athletically uh, more so Bertrand, but you know, I think Ziegler Ziegler's always been impressive. He's just a really good football player. Um, and I think some people just want to discount it and, and, you know, make it seem like he was taken because he was a pretty solid linebacker and a diehard Notre Dame fan. He was going to recruit really hard, but this kid can play football, man. It's the same reason that I think like Jack Kaiser is going to be a really good linebacker this year. And I think Ziegler a year from now is going to be a really good linebacker. So I don't know. There's just certain individuals that they don't want to show a lot of love to the fans. And, uh, 
Bertrand and Kaiser have had some pretty strong, strong efforts on the field over, over their time. Well, I, you know, newsflash when, when a defensive line gets its butt kicked, like it did against Marshall, like it did against USC and a, maybe one or two other times, linebackers aren't going to look good. That that's part of the trickle down effect of 11 on 11. If the defensive line's getting pushed off the ball, they're getting pushed back into the lap of the linebacker. And it's difficult to make plays when you're tackling a guy through your defender that has been pushed back into you. Um, so having said that, I don't know if you saw this play, Tom, and then we'll go to segment two here. Uh, Benjamin Morrison almost had an interception where he made a great play uh, to get a hand on the ball. He was falling to the ground. Oh, yeah. only, him, only him hitting the ground uh, dislodged the football. Otherwise, he would have had a pick on Saturday. And he looks good. Now, you know what? I thought Jaden Mickey looked good, too. I thought Jaden Mickey... You know, his confidence had to be shaken at the end of the year. The USC game was not a good game for him. And, you know, I still have really, really high hopes for him. We know we know what an alpha that dude is um, and and may have lost. I don't know that he ever lost his swagger during the season. Uh, most people would have because he had some really tough moments. But I still think that's a really good football player in the making for Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm excited about Mickey, and I thought he he runs so well, and he and, and he moves around really well. It just if that kid, you know, there, there's no reason for him to ever lose confidence and optimism in his talent. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. Benjamin Morrison is a different cat. Um, he had another pass breakup earlier that should have been picked up by somebody else. He batted it back. I mean, those ball skills, man they they have been lacking at Notre Dame for a long time, and and he's a difference maker, but. Um, one kid I wanted to ask you about just because maybe you were watching him a little bit more than I was because I've seen him flash at different practices so far this year was Chance Tucker. Um, have you seen much of him? Because I don't know, a couple times that I've noticed him throughout practice, um, he seems to he runs at a different pace. He's always been the kid that can run really well, but now it almost seems like he's starting to, you know, maybe make an impact. Yeah, I don't know that anything has jumped out at me, but I do know that he's getting a lot of opportunities. He's got, yeah. you know, he has size. It's somebody that they liked from the very beginning, and he never was quite able to get over the hump and emerge. But, you know, that's the kind of guy, that's how you take, how your team goes to the next level is when the guys that maybe didn't make an impact early, but develop as upperclassmen, now they can make a contribution. And it's particularly important in Notre Dame secondary where they're trying to find a balance between cornerbacks and safeties. They need safeties. I'm not saying... Tucker to safety, but if he emerges at corner, then maybe it allows an opportunity for somebody like Barnes or even Christian Gray or or, or whoever. So um, still very high hopes for, for Chance yeah. Tucker as well. All right, we're going to continue this conversation with our questions from our, our readers. Back in a moment, segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Burning Up the Boards, segment two, we had a lot of questions about the recruits that were in town over the weekend. There were a bunch of them at the practice on Saturday. I'm going to throw that open to you, Tom Loy. Give us a lowdown on what you know and uh, what kind of progress Notre Dame made with those guys this weekend. Yeah, so every practice that we're at, you always see Marcus Freeman walking in with a guy, maybe two guys, whatever the case may be, um, once he gets to practice. And this week, in a shock to nobody, it was Caleb Beasley, the four-star cornerback out of Tennessee, 
So it was kind of cool. We had some good photos right before practice started of, of Freeman and Beasley kind of walking with his parents as well. So um, it was a visit that at the last second, I was kind of like, is this actually happening? Because right the night before, Beasley took to Twitter and was talking about how Tennessee is home. And he posted a couple pictures and a video and things like that. So everybody obviously went to the message board and asked, uh, is he actually making it to campus, which I confirmed um, Friday night that he was still, you know, set to be there. He was, it was a great visit. Things, uh, continue to trend well there. I wouldn't say he's a lock to flip by any, by any means. Um, and talking to some sources over the weekend, they were very clear that it's a, it's a long, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. They're going to try to get him back on campus sooner rather than later, and then get him back in the fall and just kind of continue to, you know, dig in. It's kind of the way everybody was recruiting against Notre Dame when it came to like Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen and things like that. So Tennessee is going to have to continue to uh, keep their foot on the gas if they're going to keep this kid committed because Notre Dame is doing all they can. Freeman, Chad Bowden, Mike Mickens, um, everybody really laid out the red carpet for him this weekend and did a good job. Um, another cornerback uh, on campus was four-star cornerback Aaron Scott, who I think is one of the best cornerbacks in, in America. Um, and if he ended up as a five-star, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Ohio State's the favorite on the crystal ball. But again, him, Beasley, attached to the hip the entire time. Um, Carson Hobbs, the Notre Dame commit, he was there. The trio was really hanging out a ton. I know Leonard Moore was up there um, kind of getting his his uh, first feel of, of really Notre Dame. So he was more focused on some other things. But, you know, getting Scott alongside Hobbs and Beasley and Moore and just, you know, if you can land one more guy at that position, um, I think that's going to be huge. But Notre Dame battling Michigan and Ohio State for Aaron Scott. It's going to be a tough one to pull. I mean, he's in Ohio, Ohio State's backyard. So, and Michigan's got a ton of buzz on the trail right now. So, you know, that's going to be a tough one. Jacob and Gerard Smith, the two twin brothers, the four-star defensive linemen were on campus on Friday. So we didn't get to see him on Saturday, but from all accounts, um, still looks like Notre Dame is the team to beat. They're doing a really good job there. Al Washington, really putting it, putting Notre Dame in position to, to, to land them. Michigan, Penn State, Kentucky, a few others in play the most physically impressive guy of the weekend that we got to see was Darian Mayo the four-star edge rusher uh, who potentially could end up inside uh, in the class of 2024 I mean this kid is all of six seven 250 pounds um, in, in the sense of like it didn't pop in my head that he was visiting when I was on campus like I was just looking at him and like the name Darian Mayo didn't pop up because he was pretty far away but I'm like he looked he looked like he was an injured Notre Dame player he is so physically impressive that he's a guy that you need to land I thought Notre Dame did a good job. I know Kevin Sinclair had some quotes up at Irish Illustrated, so go check those out. Um, for me, I was very focused on Deuce Knight, the class of 2025 quarterback. Everybody knows CJ Carr is committed firmly in the 24 class, so they are moving ahead in 25. And this is another kid that was extremely physically impressive, all of 6'4", uh, closing in on 200 pounds, you know, Gino Guaduli, Chad Bowden, uh, Jared Parker, Marcus Freeman, they were all over this kid while practice was going on, making sure to spend time with him. The cool thing I thought with Deuce Knight was that he was very much involved around the quarterbacks the entire time. So when they move this way, there's Deuce Knight following them. The end of practice, they're running towards the end of the, end of the field to, to get their own sprints in. Deuce Knight's jogging with them. like He was a part of that quarterback room. He did not do the sprints post-practice. Um, but he was very much involved. And, um, you know, again, I had some quotes up there. He went in depth with me and talked about the offer, his connection with the coaching staff. And, um, the fact of the matter is Tennessee led heading into this visit. There is no leader at this time. Notre Dame closed the gap. Um, some people in that building believe that Notre Dame is now the team to beat, but, 
Um, I'm not ready to say that yet, but uh, you know, all in all, really good group of visitors on campus. And um, I think that, you know, in the end, there's some guys that visited this weekend that Notre Dame could land. Right, we're going to jump into a question, Tom, here from DMB346. Sounds like the defensive line dominated the offensive line Saturday. Does that change your perspective on how good the defense as a whole can slash will be? I mean, you kind of touched on that earlier. I mean, I think that the offensive line is going to take a little bit more time to gel. So I think that that's the focus. I think that people are over, overthinking a sixth practice of the spring. So um, I think that it's more natural for a defensive line to dominate on the offensive side of the ball. It probably, probably would be an issue if it was the other way around. So um, I think when you said earlier about it just takes time to gel and these guys are two new players along the offensive line, things like that, like, you know, you're going to have that. Yeah, I, you know, I, we've said this before, I mean, I try to never let one practice determine how I feel about the future of Notre Dame football. I think it was, I think it was a positive sign that the defensive line had a good day because we're confident that the offensive line will come around. But when, you know, when you're throwing blitzes at them, you got linebackers coming off the edge and it, nobody, no offensive line. I mean, I guess if everybody returns from the previous year, you're pretty much the same line, but all it takes is for one of the components to be different. In this case, it's two, the two guard spots. One is a redshirt freshman. Uh, but, but this doesn't change my perspective of the defensive line. I'm still, although they did do a really good job of putting pressure on the quarterbacks, uh, it's a sixth practice and I and I and I just think that the, at times the O line was a little bit overwhelmed. They have a new offensive line coach uh, in Joe Rudolph, and so things are a little bit different. There may be a little bit more tentativeness just because they don't have that comfort zone. I don't read too much into that. I'm not going to say or feel like the defensive line or the defense in general has arrived. I still think the defensive line is the number one concern. Um, you know, because as we look at the offense, we think that offense can be really, really good. Uh, but we'll see. It, it, it's one practice. Don't read too much into it. But I thought it was encouraging that the D-line had a really good game or day. Martin Evenflow had a question. It's a long way to Navy, but what do you feel better about after viewing the full practice? And also what raised a red flag? Yeah, see, that's I, I would tie that into my comments there from the first question, because the red flag for me would have been if the if the D line was getting over overwhelmed by the O line, uh, you know that would be okay. We had concerns about it, and those concerns are legit. Look what just happened. Uh, red flags. Um, you know the receiving core didn't catch the football very well. I expect them. I expect them to catch it better than that. Again, a lot of it had to do with the the pressure that was being placed on the quarterbacks. Um, you know, what do I feel better about? I feel better about the D line, but um, you know, red flags would be the other way around. Uh, and I, I think Billy Shrouth wins the starting job. I, you know, Michael Carmody's a little banged up right now. Look, Everybody in that camp knows that that Shrouth is going to be a good football player. If you're going to be, if there's anybody that you're going to be willing to deal with some growing pains, it's Billy Shrouth. And so, you know, I know Andrew Kristoffic, that Harry Heastan wasn't high on Andrew Kristoffic, but he is a guy that is that did start eight games a couple of years ago. So I think that will 
I think that will all come together. But like just red flags based upon one practice, I don't really, I don't think nothing is real, real glaring to me. Maybe some, maybe something is for you. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Like I said, I didn't love the drops. I thought the the receivers didn't have a great day, but but again, that's nothing that they would argue against and say, uh, like, oh, you guys are misreading it. So wouldn't call it a red flag, but I definitely thought that the, it wasn't a great day for the receivers. But um, I thought with with the O line struggling against the defensive line when it came to some eleven on eleven work, I liked seeing the run game break off some big runs. Yeah. It was nice to see that they broke off some some big ones and. Um, so for uh, in the moments they were, they're struggling, you know, when it came to 11 and 11, they broke off some big ones. So that was good to see, you know, Tom, I'm really glad you mentioned that because there were probably three long runs. I know the one, the one late, uh, was a block by Quinn Murphy at left guard and, and Tosh Baker at left tackle. Um, but other than those plays, it really wasn't right. Really wasn't, wasn't a whole lot. And that, that was a minority of, of the plays to be sure. Uh, B.L. Casburn, uh, in this new age of transfer portal and NIL, I hope Notre Dame values the importance of development. Am I buying? Am I being foolish and thinking guys like Asafa Mensa, Anya Ford, and maybe even the big German uh, can develop into two or three deep defensive linemen that compete at a playoff level? Um, yes, Notre Dame values the importance of development. I'm not really sure where that comment comes from. Of course they do. Uh, that's what they do every day's every day of their life. Uh, Osafa Mensa, I think we're seeing a better version of him. He's bigger. Uh, I know he's more confident. He's one of the guys that's been more vocal. Uh, I think that's important. I don't know if you've heard any feedback on Jason Anye, but I like what I see. That's a big body. He's long. He's in the two nineties. I thought on Saturday, he showed some, penetration ability and some lateral quickness again he's long he gives you a lot to deal with once he comes out of his three-point stance I may be reading too much into it but I kind of like what I've seen of him Tyson Ford I was looking for him to get more live opportunities I don't think he got a whole bunch the big German as uh as B.L. Casper called him is Alexander Ehrensberger I don't know, Tom. I don't I don't know where the development, I don't know when that development, <clears throat> excuse me, is going to come. But uh, really liked Rubio and Cross, liked some of the stuff that I saw from Anya. You still have the young guys that are coming in that I'm looking forward to seeing. Devin Houston is hurt, so we haven't had an opportunity to see him on the D-line. Uh, but yes, it's a I think of that bunch, I think the safest bet is a Safamensa. I think he's he's a guy that started to make plays in the, in the back half of last year, and he's trending in the right direction. I think yeah. he's the safest bet as a guy that's going to be counted on this year. But the rest of them, I wouldn't, you know, stand on the no, table. You, you haven't heard any feedback, positive or negative, on Anya? Not nothing, nothing. Okay. Yeah, Kiana Aina is an interesting guy. Uh, actually, that's the next question, so I'll go ahead and ask that from MMB four. With three defensive line commits arriving in June, I can't see how Kiana Aina and Ehrensberger have a roster spot. Add in Ford, Heinish, and Houston, and the spots seem to be limited. Does that also mean there's no room for a transfer, um, a, a portal transfer on the D-line? 
there's always room for a portal transfer. Um, you always make room. I mean, it's really the fact. No, that- no especially yeah. inside. Yeah, I, either, inside or outside on the D line. I agree. Yeah, I think you just wait and see how things play out. That's that's what confuses me a little bit. Is that there's certain fans that assume that this team and every other team in college football is going to look exactly the same for between April first and September first, and it's just not true. There's going to be a lot of movement. Um, both at Notre Dame and everywhere else. Um, and if the right fit jumps in, the the worst player for Bama jumps in the portal, it's going to look pretty good in a Notre Dame uniform, things like that. So let it play out. I, I think people were jumping the gun a little bit. It's the same reason you don't put all the stock into one full practice viewing and act like the, the season, the team's going to go 12 and 0 or 0 and 12. Um, but no, they have some good, talented players coming in. Um, you got Bubakar, Brennan Vernon, and the guy probably I like the most in Armel Mukum. Um, freaky athleticism for a guy his size. So um, I think, and again, I'm not saying these are guys that are going to be counted on. It's it's rare to see what Benjamin Morrison did last year, coming in as a as a summer enrollee and just dominating all year long like he did. So, um, but you got some really good talented players coming in. Um, it's going to be a fun battle to watch uh, for Al Washington and his crew. I'm really looking forward to seeing Brennan Vernon uh, in Notre Dame uniform because I think he's a unique type of player i think he's a unique personality probably more than anything uh really interesting cat coming to notre dame who will um you know they could use him to emerge early i don't anticipate that or expect it aiden gobira still seems pretty light in the britches to me josh burnham um a little bit as well did you again i know you were i asked you specifically to watch the early entry freshman but did javante jean baptiste flash to you at all uh, not too much. No, nothing. And again, I don't think he's a guy that is, it was a nice addition and it was somebody that they needed and he's going to contribute and help and start and have a really good season. But I think if people were expecting this kid to be an all American, like the, the, the gap between him and what he's going to be able to do for Notre Dame compared to like Sam Hartman is massive in my opinion. So um, although they weren't too far from each other in the rankings, um, it, there's a, there's a large gap. Well, I think, I mean, just pure pass rush. I think he's going to provide that. Now the, the yeah. question to us has always been, can he hold up in the run? Because a couple of practices ago, I was standing behind the defensive line he's long and he carries his weight well, but boy, that's a narrow hip guy that, to you know, hold the point of attack. And so we'll see with him. Uh, another question here from. Terry Benedict, who is the player that the media is hyping up this offseason that, quote, has to see the field, unquote, but won't see the field and fans will repeatedly ask about? I don't know who, Tom, I don't know who the media is hyping, but I know who the fans will hype, and it will be every freshman receiver every year. And no matter matter how deep they are at receiver, which they are a little bit deeper, you know, I want to see – it makes more sense to me to see Colsey and Merriweather develop than a freshman receiver, even though, look, we know this is a good group. Uh, but though, when I read this question, those are the first guys I think of because uh, Notre Dame is committing a crime if they don't put a freshman receiver on the field sometimes. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of, and nobody from our site is, you know, hyping anybody up that has to see the field. Um, I know the fans are, you know, like you said, clamoring for like a Braylon James, but I, 
I don't think he's going to play a ton this year. Right. I think now Flores, I we both in. Yeah. We anticipate Flores playing. Yeah. And if that's not know, if he knows if he knows the concepts that he needs to know. Right, right. Yeah. If you don't have moments of practice where he's saying to Chancey Stuckey, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, no, I think he's him, great house, like they will play, no question about it. Um, like the, the interesting case with Braylon James is he may go from not playing a ton this year to being the starter next year. Um, that's the kind of potential he has. So, um, and, and it's a lot like Tobias Merriweather. I think he still has a long ways to go, but he's, he's starting to make plays and, and, you know, he's learning the playbook and he gets everything and things are starting to come along the right way. But again, to expect him to be a, you know, surefire guaranteed lock starter come fall, I, I think people just need to slow down a little bit, but um, yeah, I haven't seen too much hype, but I've got an, uh, I've got a freshman. Yeah. I've got one for you. I, okay. Drake Bowen. Now, again, we're, I'm not, we're not hyping him and, but I'm sure a lot of people are expecting him a very highly rated linebacker coming in. And we know how people feel about Nordames linebackers many times. And I, I'm not sure that we're going to see Drake Bowen, maybe special, special teams. But I don't anticipate, frankly, I anticipate Nolan Ziegler playing, seeing him more. Um, I think Osbury's a very smart football player. I don't know if he's ready to play. Uh, but Bo- I think I think I think Bowen is one that there's gonna be a lot of clamoring for him to be on the field. And I'm not especially sure. An in-state kid. Yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot, especially when if Bertrand struggles at any point this year. Um, they're going to be calling for the freshman and, and Drake Bone will be the first they call for. Yeah. Question from Frank, 1957, based off what you saw at practice and what you are hearing, is Notre Dame going to go after a grad transfer guard aggressively? I mean, I haven't heard it a ton yet. And it, I mean, I don't know why we would. It's it's so early and you still have a couple of weeks left of spring ball. They're going to let things play out, see who enters the portal. Um, there was, what, what was his name? Mason Lunsford, the kid that, ended up transferring from Maryland yeah. to LSU. They were looking at him, but it wasn't nearly to the point where they even had this kid. That they, they didn't even have a visit locked in, but all of a sudden they found out. I think it was from my report because Mason started texting me and some other people saying, um, and he actually put it on Twitter himself. I'm visiting Notre Dame this weekend. Notre Dame was very surprised by that. And they said, we don't have any visit lined up at this point and um, kind of said that they need to, they, he walked it back a little bit. So never visited campus, but, but again, it's way too early. They're going to let things play out, see what they have along the offensive line, see how it looks come the spring game and then see when there's the portal because portal talk right now should be dead. I thought he was worthy of a visit. Well, I agree with that, but I, I I mean, yeah. And then I wrote a film review, which didn't probably didn't help matters either, but (laughs) You know, I thought tough timing, he, tough timing. Good for I, you. For yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was a overachiever, a semi-interesting prospect at a time when they were looking for guard. But look, I Billy Shroff. I want to see Billy Shroff in the starting lineup. The guy. I think ultimately yeah. they that that will be the guy that wins one spot, and then it's up to um, you know, it's up to Andrew Kristoffic to really step up. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who else would be ready to step up. I don't think Spindler is, though. I did want to. I did point out in the in the uh, practice report. I I like some of the 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 awareness that he shows as a pass blocker. What I would rather see is him plowing somebody 
as a run blocker. And I, I did not see that. Now that may have happened when I wasn't looking in that direction, but uh, I'm not sure anybody else is ready. Anybody else ready to make a real impact there, Tom? Could, could, could Pat Coogan be in the running? He, although he's mainly playing center. They do really like Pat Coogan though. They yeah. always liked him. And, a I, lot. and they like Ashton Craig too. Um, yeah. You know, but there's a difference between liking and, Sticking them in the starting lineup for the 2020 right. season, and that's right. uh, that's going to be a work in progress. AGND, uh, that's um, how high should our expectations be for running back to Darian Price off last year's Achilles injury? Do you expect a significant role for him in the backfield? It's a good question. I'm not really sure. I mean, to, to, to say expect a significant role, he's got to get healthy first, completely healthy. You know, I think, um, um, you know, it, it, when healthy, I, I don't think there's any doubt. He's a clear, solid, really good number three be behind two established guys. By the way, do you know what Logan Diggs is suffering from? Honestly, haven't asked about it. Yeah. I don't really dive into injuries too much, but I, I, uh, I'll try to find out today and throw yeah. it on the board. I mean, you know, we, everything that we saw, and I certainly know that everything that Nordheim saw Adela McCullough saw Jadarian Price. He was sold on him and then had the unfortunate uh, injury in July yeah. of last year, which has really set him back. You know, I can't say that I think that, that he's going to play a significant role, but if he's ready, I can see him as a guy. It's hard to get, it's hard to get the third team running back touches, but if you can get him a, you know, a couple of game, um, yeah, what are you hearing about that? Because we know one of those long runs in the in the that we were talking about earlier. That was Jabron Payne, wasn't it? Did you? It was. You it was. Yeah. I mean, I thought he actually started to. He was catching the ball really well. I thought he caught the ball really, really well. Yeah. So again, yeah. like that group is getting more full while Price is out. But in my opinion, Price is a unique individual with unique traits. Um, everything that Logan Diggs does really well. Everything that Audric Estime does well. He's kind of got a really good blend. Um, I think he is, he's the guy that is the most likely to one day be a, a next level back, um, at, at the NFL level. I think it's Jadarian Price. I absolutely love the kid. And he looks like a million bucks in the 10 seconds where I watched him walk from the Goog to, uh, the indoor. So he, he looks like a million bucks there. So give him the Heisman, but he, no, he, he really, as long as he gets healthy and everything's smooth from that point, he is going to be really hard to keep off the field because, um, you know, if he's a hundred percent, there is, man, that kid is so talented. So he really uh, is. And I love his yeah. mindset. I mean, for what it's worth. And I do think it is worth something. What there, there, there's something to be gleaned from, from interviews with these guys. And I thought yeah. Jerry Price was extremely mature and impressive last year, which, which ties into his opportunity to, to, to get a shot is if, and when, or as soon as he gets healthy enough to play question from Tater's dad one, is there a pecking order? with regard to the quarterbacks offered or will the first one to commit get the spot? We're talking 2025 again, of course. So, so there's really no benefit for Notre Dame to really leak like, Hey, we like Cutter Bowley ahead of George McIntyre ahead of Deuce Knight um, and so on and so forth. But um, I think the names to watch is that trio. You have Cutter Bowley, the five-star quarterback at a Kentucky you have George McIntyre, the five-star quarterback at a Tennessee and you have Deuce Knight, Currently unranked, will be, in my opinion, a top 100 talent, um, could be the best of the bunch, tremendous talent. Um, Notre Dame, over time, has offered Bryce Underwood um, out of Michigan, a five-star quarterback. You have Ryan Montgomery, who will be 
who's one of the better quarterbacks in the Midwest, really good player out of Ohio. And you have KJ Lacey that they just sent, sent the pot of gold offer um, to the kid out of Alabama. But those three, and actually Antoine Hill, the kid out of Georgia, they offered too. But um, really the guys you're watching, Bowley, McIntyre, Deuce Knight. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that one is, you know, it's one, one, a one B, whatever the case may be. Um, I think that all three will eventually have the green light. Um, I think it'd be silly to pass on any of them at this time. Personally, um, I really like McIntyre. Um, I think he's really good. I think he is, he has NFL talent. He's a guy that just, I mean, he's, I'm not going to call him can't miss, but he's in that. If you're talking about projecting for the 25 class, he's a tremendous talent. I absolutely love Deuce Knight. I, I mean, I've said that before Notre Dame was interested before he, he obviously still doesn't have a, a ranking um, freakish potential in the dual threat. I'm not as high on Bowley, but I'm higher on him as a, after his junior season than was was after seeing him camp at Notre Dame over the summer. Um, just didn't really do much for me. I thought there was a big gap between him and CJ Carr, um, watching him kind of throw side by side, but he got, he got better as a junior. So I get the ranking. I get the offer. It all makes sense to me. But at, at this point, um, if Notre Dame can just land one of those guys, um, you got to tip your cap to Guaduli, Parker, Marcus Freeman, because you're, you're landing one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Really like McIntyre, uh, the pace that he yeah. plays at. And uh, I was really, really impressed with him. I need to, to take a closer look at, at, at Deuce Knight. I trust your opinion on that, but I'm going to check him out here as uh, as soon as possible. Question from Elmer City Domer. How, how are special teams shaping up? Who takes up, maybe I'm a little bit more equipped to answer this here, Tom, but who takes up the Bauer-Foskey mantle to set the example uh, for starters to contribute? What I observed on Saturday, they did kind of like a, a an isolation drill on kick coverage. So it wasn't the full 10 guys with the kicker. It was six guys. And among those six are some guys that I think will be, you know, mainstays on special teams. Prince Colley, certainly. Uh, J.D. Bertrand, Jack Kaiser, Maris Leofau, D.J. Brown. Those are five veteran names that I would anticipate since those were the first guys to come out on Saturday. Those would be mainstays on on the kick coverage. Do you have anybody else to suggest? And so I I don't really have anybody to suggest, but I do have a couple quick notes on special teams in the sense of like we talked about Rico Flores at receiver. This dude was working on kickoff cover kickoff uh, unit and the return team, and he got he was singled out by Biagi twice on each for positive plays, being in the right position. So. Kudos to him for being a freshman and, and being in the right position. Um, Jordan Botello getting a lot of work with the coaching staff there um, about being in the right position, things like that. And the one thing, like, I think above all else, which I don't see at a lot of programs, is Marcus Freeman all over special teams. And uh, I know that was not the case uh, for a lot of programs, but it's a, it's really, you know, a hat tip to him for being that involved because, and I guarantee Marty Biagi appreciates it because that's just not something, um, like I know for a fact, because I kind of asked about it, um, with somebody at Ole Miss, like Lane Kiffin doesn't really deal with special teams at, at all. Um, but he'll be the first to go for it on every fourth down, but he doesn't want to really do that at practice. He doesn't get involved there. Whereas Marcus Freeman is so hands-on. I just, I don't know. I like it. I'm sure Biagi appreciates it, but, um, I thought Jaden Mickey looked good on special teams in the return unit. Um, Jordan Botello is going to knock somebody's heads off. 
um, in the coverage unit. And then uh, it was cool to see Rico Flores getting so much love. You know, uh, Biagi does appreciate it. We talked about on Saturday. He, oh, he absolutely nice. does. And, and you know, I've said this and I believe this to be true. Brian Mason is a tremendous special teams coach, but he's also had the opportunity to uh, work with Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman, the, you know, the last few years. And it makes a difference when your head coach says this is really important. And yes, I want you to be aggressive on, on you know, uh, punt blocks and kick blocks you know, it shows up on Saturday. And so that that's important. A lot of people looked at Marty Biagi's numbers or their special teams numbers and determined that he wasn't any good. Marcus Freeman immediately went to him and said, I want you to be my special teams coach. So I will trust his opinion on that uh, more than just looking at a couple stats and determining that the guy's no good and shouldn't come to Notre Dame. Your point about Botello, the on kick return, you have the first, you have the front five, and then there are the next two. The first two guys to come out in that next two were Botello and Estime. Good luck getting past those two guys because I think that'll be a, they'll be an interesting duo to watch in that in that capacity. Question from Michael seven two five eight zero nine zero one. If you had to pick right now, who will be All Americans by the end of the season? I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that Joe Alt is a pretty good football player and um, I'm going to claim him. Uh, so if you want to claim somebody else, yes. uh, okay. give well, I would agree. That would be my, first, that would be my first pick. Uh, the next pick would be uh, Benjamin Morrison. Back to I you. Really have, I don't really have a third pick. <laughs> well, um, you know, I guess I mean, I'll take a flyer on well, Sam Hartman, but. I well, that's what I'm saying. Him. If Notre Dame goes 11 and one and Sam Hartman throws for, you know, how many yards we think he's, he's capable of. I don't know that Blake Fisher ends up falling into that category, but I sure like the way he looks physically. And he would be, he would be a candidate for that. Yeah. You know, the estimate digs duo kind of precludes from one being separated from the other ones in terms of all American. The only guy that I would really point to on defense would be Benjamin Harrison. Um. Yeah, I can't, I mean, I, I can't think of anybody. Well, uh, else. Yeah, can you play some crickets in the background? I mean, there. This is. It's going to be tough with. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Gonna be tough right yeah. now on defense. If you're, I mean, outside of Morrison, but um, strong group, but it's just lacking um, all American type. Yeah, yeah, and you know how. Look, you know how it is in the secondary. If Cam Hart makes two picks against Navy, you know, and then one in week three, then you know yeah. he's in the running for. For all American, I you know I don't know yeah. that he's shown that that type of ability. He did have two picks in one game once, but uh, what was that Wisconsin? I think it was. But uh, yeah, anyway, those are the leading candidates. Uh, I'd put Alton Morrison one two, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Couldn't last agree. question. Pardon me. No, I was just gonna say couldn't agree more. That was a that was an easy one. Very good. Last question, and this is directed. Uh, uh, I will direct it to uh, uh, Tom here from Junior Kobe. There are a lot of 2024 defensive line offers out there currently. What is your realistic dream four to five recruits on the D line and your quote, probably going to happen recruits? Is it realistic or is it dream? I mean, that's too, too different. I would say dream with the outside shot of being realistic. It's going to start, include- start with the realistic ones. Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, we're talking, I think Justin Scott, um, I feel good about that crystal ball. I feel that Notre Dame leads after this last visit. Um, Any issues behind the scenes that I don't really want to go into, 
um, are put to rest, especially on this visit and over the last couple of conversations they've had between Marcus Freeman, Al Washington, Justin, and his parents, everything's good there. Um, Georgia, Miami, uh, Ohio State, all very much involved. Um, the key will be, be getting back, uh, getting him back to campus sooner rather than later. Who knows? Maybe he shows up again for the spring game. I know that's a possibility. Um, CJ Carr will be there, Cam Williams, a couple others. That would be massive to get him back on campus. Um, so any realistic and dream class includes Justin Scott. I think that you need to include Jacob and Gerard Smith into the realistic class. I think that those two four-star guys, one's an interior guy in Gerard, and you have Jacob off the edge. I think that Notre Dame's put themselves in a good spot to be the leader there. So I have both of those pegged to land it with the Irish. Um, Bryce Young, uh, Bryant Young's son. I feel good about Notre Dame there. And man, talk about a kid that's that's seen his stock take off. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, he, he's getting every offer in the country and it's, it's cool to see and, and, and deservedly. So, so I think it includes him. I feel good about my crystal ball there. Honestly, I would probably add, and I didn't expect to add him to a realistic um, and dream class would be Logan Thomas, the Texas edge rusher um, that was recently on campus. I think that that's a uh, Notre Dame did a great job there uh, for the long weekend that he was on campus and he's already set to be back for an official in June. Um, and he will be a, Joining joining him will be Elijah Rushing, the five-star edge rusher out of Arizona. So um, Scott Smith, Smith, Thomas, Young, I think that that's, if you're asking for five, that's, five. that's that's the guys right there that, in my opinion, that would be the best bet. But extending it to dream, I think that, and, and you know, an argument can be said that that's realistic. Elijah Rushing coming on campus for an official, um, you never know what's going to happen. All the dialogue has been really positive. Um, between him and Al Washington. This is a kid that has a brother that's played college football, dad very much involved in the process, but they're doing things the right way. They're handling things the right way. Um, so again, not going to not gonna write off Notre Dame yet. Darian Mayo was just on campus, so keeping it on him off the edge. But again, he could be projecting to an interior guy. So there's just a lot of targets. Um, I know that at one point they were not ruling out taking as many as seven uh, along the defensive line, which includes the edge rushers and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to, you know, pigeonhole them to to five guys right now, but um, I think that that five, I'm not, I don't think I'm really missing anybody that that I would add yeah, to you're that. Not gonna, you're not going to give me any hope for my guy. Who's your guy? TJ Lindsay. Oh no, I, I mean, I, I he they he's probably a guy that I was missing. Like he'll be on campus. Oh, uh, good. But that's a, that's twice. that's a bit of a that's a more of a long shot to yeah. I, and again, he's coming for the spring game. He wants to come back for a game in the fall. He missed the Clemson game last year, which could have been a difference maker. So um, that would have been huge. But man, love that kid. I still don't understand. I, love our guys, but I don't understand how he's still a three star. Um, I cannot so. understand that, frankly. And I, you know, we all understand Justin Scott's long term ability, which is huge. I would have T.J. Lindsey ranked ahead of him. I, there may not be many people that feel that way, but in terms of productivity up to this point, I mean, forget the comparison. TJ Lindsay's a great football player. He's going to be a great football player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have no issue with that. Um, I like Justin Scott. I thought he made great, great growth um, as a junior, but man, just lands a handful of those guys. And it's yeah. a big win for Al Washington. That's a good, that's a good group you mentioned there. So realistic and uh, dream. There's kind of a crossover there. Tom, really appreciate you joining us. Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports. Until next time, Tim Priester, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.